Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor Fredrickson. And I'm Sam Hoganson. You ready to get started? Let's send it. Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 12. Holy shit. Woo! Sam, what a win. A win is a win, man. And the Huskies did it in fascinating fashion tonight against the Utes. And pretty much everything that we thought could go wrong in that first half went wrong. And everything that we thought could go right for the Huskies went right in that second half. So it was really a tale of two halves in this in this game. And we'll we'll obviously deep dive into this. But the Huskies prevailed tonight against the Utah Utes 24 to 21 in epic comeback fashion, down 21 points after the first half and rally for 24 straight unanswered. Sam, what are your initial takeaways from this game? Just like over overall thoughts and yeah, what, it's a tough what's going one. through your mind, man? I mean, I mean, a lot. First, I thought you were going to ask what I've been sipping on, and I was trying to come up with an answer because Lord knows I've been sipping on a lot I'm of different things. I'm way past that, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I'm way past that at this point. Like, obviously, that's part of our podcast always. Like, I, I'll ask, what are you sipping on? But, like, I'm way fucking past that at this point, dude. <laughs> I'm sipping on whiskey now, but, man, in that first half, I was putting beers away like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Whew. Oh man, you and me, you and me both, brother. That was. Yeah, um, I, I guess I should ask you too, really quick. What What are you sipping on right now? Um, I was sipping on a lot of scotch in that second half, and it seemed to be working. Um, Better go changed... buy some more of that. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I was sipping on beer most of the first half. Switch over to scotch, you know, mid second quarter, wasn't going well right at first, but seemed to be working towards the end of the game, obviously. Um, but I'm, I'm sipping on bullet bourbon now. So oh, nice. Good choice. So, yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts right off the bat, you know, you mentioned it in your intro, a win is a win in a lot of ways you can look at this, you know, glass half empty glass half full and me being the eternal optimist when it comes to Husky football, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And yeah it's easy to look at this and say like, well, we eked one out and a win is a win. We'll take it. For me, this is one of the best wins this team can have. The, the turning point when teams become really, really good teams is with a win, not necessarily to this extreme, but a, a win where you are down and out facing a ton of adversity. It just builds so much belief and camaraderie and uncommon unity that Jimmy Lake talks about in a team and to put it all together and be able to draw back on a game and the experience that the team went through today is something that this team will draw upon probably at some point again this season but if not this season for sure next season you know and hats off to the team for staying in it and playing hard we'll obviously go down the list and spotlight all the guys but I think Jimmy Lake did a hell of a job. This coaching staff did a hell of a job. I mean, we spotlighted Especially halftime our, adjustments. Exactly. We talked about it in our preview. This Utah team is no slouch. Mm-hmm. I know we got 
maybe a little bit carried away in our score predictions. This is definitely not the way that we saw the game going. No, but I wasn't, we weren't surprised to see Utah come out and hit us in the mouth. Yeah. Like we had been saying all along, this is a really physical, well-coached, disciplined football team. They knocked the cobwebs off in their first week in their loss to USC and they came to play and they smacked us in the mouth. And And we got to say that Jake Bentley had a hell of a first half. Yeah. He played really well. I mean, yeah, I guess we can pat ourselves on the back on the Utah side. We did key key in on most of the top performers today with Jake Bentley played well. Ty Jordan looks like a real deal. We'll talk about him a little bit. 10 for 97. Dude. Like, yeah. That guy's he's going to be a problem good. in the Pac-12 for the years he's, to come. So he's a mismatch for sure. Yep. And then obviously in the passing game, Brian Thompson had a good day. Yep. Only three catches, but 65 yards and the touchdown in the first half. He and also had drive. a long, long catch on the first drive down the sideline with a great one-handed catch. Pretty good defense mm-hmm. from Keith Taylor, but mm-hmm. yep. So we can pat ourselves on the back. Well, that's enough about Utah. I'm I'm not here to talk about Utah anymore. <laughs> They, they're a good team. They came in. They gave us their best shot. And we were worried about our team coming in and not being able to match the physicality. And quite honestly, we didn't. But hats off to the guys in the locker room, whether it was Jimmy Lake. And I would have to believe that he is the kind of coach that would give a spirited halftime speech. Just coming from some of the interviews that we've seen already after the game, he's, he's fucking fired up about the way this game unfolded and how we yeah. turned the tides and got the win. So I guess my high level takeaway is just being able to battle back from 21 down. I think they flashed the stat on the TV broadcast that we were zero and 30 down by 20 points or 21 points or more. Mm-hmm. You can chalk up one in the win column now, baby. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's that whole overcoming adversity thing that, Jimmy has preached on since the beginning and going into this season, even just with this whole, how everything has unfolded in 2020, just from a life perspective and seeing that play out on a football field as well, being down 21 zero and coming back and battling back 24 unanswered in the second half is just, I mean, that's, that's a football team that it again is learning how to win in different ways. And Obviously, this isn't this isn't how you want to win week in and week out. Obviously, but um, but to show the that resilience and be able to go into halftime down twenty one to zero and come out of half and just start picking away, picking away, and it wasn't a super clean second half. Even like it wasn't like we it was like a barrage of Husky scoring in the second half. Like it was just kind of picking away, picking away, you know, we had that first drive touchdown after three minutes or so. And then um, I can't remember if it was a turnover after that or a interception. got the interception after that got three. So it it was 21 to 10 ball game after about six minutes or seven minutes, I think gone in the third quarter. So that made it a manageable game, but it wasn't like, it was like, you know, 21 24 unanswered right away like this was over the full half i mean it took them until 35 seconds to go in in the fourth quarter to get a lead right and we should we should we should caveat what you said we it wasn't perfectly clean offensively defensively it was a it was second half here's the drive recap for the utah utes offense and our defense 
interception, turnover on downs, fumble, punt, punt, interception, end of game. Yep. Defense came to play in the yeah. second half, yeah, and we needed it in a big way. Yeah, for sure. And they made up for their first half as far as just like some assignment issues, some tackling issues. Really, like the tackling I thought was pretty poor. All throughout half. the game. I even thought it was not great in the second half either. Yeah. Could have been better for sure. Yeah. Um, but if you're going down like the total stats here, I mean, I would not have. Uh, you look at the rush yards, dude, like Utah getting 215 and us only getting 88 overall. I would not chalk that up as a win. Yeah, that is not a good look on paper for sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, credit I, again, credit credit UW and Dylan Morris and Jimmy Lake and Kate Otten. <laughs> Kate Otten, hell yeah! Like, like we'll talk about him more, but um, finding ways to win in different ways. Like I mean, obviously UW is built to run the ball and possess the ball. Um, what was the time of possession today? It would they yeah, beat Utah, us Utah won. Yeah. Yep. Yep. By about 10 minutes. So um yeah, it was about 35 to 25 or so. Um so and that's that's not what you would expect typically from from UW football. Obviously, Utah tries to play the same style, so it's just gonna be a battle of whoever's better in that aspect. And Utah came out on top on that on that end. But I mean our our running game today was shit. Like I I think I think not having Richard Newton, I don't know what's going on with him. He must not be he must not be healthy. He didn't get a start. Yeah, he's so. for sure not healthy. Whether it's COVID related, injury related, we don't know. We likely yeah. won't find out. Yeah. But he would have for sure gotten carries in this game, particularly with the difficulties we had with McGrew, Davis, mm -hmm. and Pleasant mm -hmm. finding running room. I mean, mm -hmm. I talked that up a lot to our offensive line, just didn't have they weren't matching the physicality of that Utah front seven and they were stacking the box heavy for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, typically I, we would have for sure seen Newton if he was healthy, just to mix it up and see if he could make something happen. So be curious to see how that plays out and what the story is there. If, if we ever do find out. Yeah. And hopefully it's not a long-term thing because he's obviously kind of that bruising running back that we like to have in that four four man backfield. Um, but I mean, Sean McGrew ended up having a, a decent night. It didn't seem like it um, watching the game, but he ended up going seven carries for 36 yards, average of 5.1 yards per carry. So that's that's pretty solid. But um, overall, the run game was not there tonight. So we were going to have to rely upon Dylan Morris's arm, which made some pretty questionable. I mean, I think we saw the first flaws of Dylan Morris in that first half. Um, especially for early on in that, in that was that that was the first drive that he threw that first interception, or was that the second second drive? No, it was the, our first drive. First drive, yeah, pick, first yeah. drive. Um, and yeah, it seemed to kind of he evaded a, a pressure pretty nicely, kind of got out of the pocket, and then just I mean he was thrown into basically double coverage and not able to step into his throw. He had K. Dotton backed up into his face basically, so. Um, but it was it was a late decision anyway. Like I don't even if he was able to step into that throw, I don't think that's that's a completion for a first down. Um, and obviously they turned that into into points off of that turnover. 
Um, and then he had two other picks. I'm trying to, so yeah, the, one of them inter- was off of the, was off of the Ty Jones deflection that he underthrew. Yep. That was our second. Well, I guess technically third to last possession, including yep. us kneeling out the game, but it was right there towards the end of the fourth quarter. And when we threw that interception, I almost, I leaned over to my dad and I basically kind of chalked that up as the game, but our defense mm-hmm. came out and forced a three and out punt. And then we yeah. threw it down the field. So, you know what this game reminded me in a lot of ways, I think there's a lot of similarities is that Seattle Seahawks, Green Bay Packers, NFC championship game where Russell Wilson, I think had call up. three, four interceptions, all to Jermaine curse, all to Jermaine curse. Yep. We were down and out. And then we came back and, you know, Russell for all intents and purposes had a horrible game mm-hmm. and he stayed locked in. He showed his, you know, mental fortitude, belief in his players and willed the team to that victory as did Jermaine with an amazing catch. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the same feelings that I had in this game, watching Dylan Morris for the first time in his, you know, extremely green career. Again, we have to remind ourselves it's only his, third game here right but man he struggled on on the his first interception was basically a sign for what was to come for most of the game he just looked panicked he looked uncomfortable you know we had called it out earlier in the game you know in in the first two games he has been so poised and so composed particularly on those third down plays and he had none of that going. I think we were 0 for 6 on third downs in the first half. Yeah, A lot of that had to do with him just kind of playing erratically. But, man, to be able to have him really put the team on his back, be helped out by wide receivers like Puka Nakua, Kate Otten obviously played you know, arguably the MVP of the game. Maybe a couple defensive players could give him a run for his money on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to have Dylan Morris come back on that final drive and lead us down the field and win the game – using both his legs, escaping the pocket, and his arm hitting Kate Otten for the touchdown pass. It's hard not to feel like that's a special moment. It's national TV, primetime spot for the East Coast. And what more could you ask for than, I mean, I guess you could always ask for a clean, perfect game, but (laughs) this is a game that just signifies so much growth and could be a real catalyst for not only the remaining games this season but going into next year a lot of these guys will be back and i'm just freaking stoked about how we fought back and ended up winning this game on the backs of some of our young players that are going to be around next year so i'm just super excited and i think you know just a lot of similarities between that seattle seahawks green bay packers game and what that did for russell's career trajectory sure I'm hoping to see similar, you know, some of those things play out over the next couple of games and next season for the Huskies and Dylan Morris. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it was good to see Dylan not like waver and stay confident and trust his guys to make plays for him and just, you know, stay composed and stay within the game plan. Um, it's really easy as a as a young quarterback to you know, turn the ball over a few times in a game and get down and um, not be able to come back from that. But 
he he's showing resilience and he's showing overcoming adversity, which again, I'll go back to Jimmy Lake just preaching that. And he's he's the epitome of what we want at quarterback right now. Um Sam, real quick, I do want to ask you, like, how are you feeling now after the third game with the quarterback battle going into 2021? I know that we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but we're fans. So I just want to just want to ask you how you're feeling about Sam Heward versus Dylan Morris going into 2021. I'm excited about it because if you asked me before this season, I would have said, hey, let's just get through the year and let Sam Heward take over in 2021. But I think competition breeds excellence. And Dylan Morris, again, struggled tonight, but really came out with the winning plays that we needed and showed leadership and moxie and the energy. I mean, seeing him tapping his veins, you know, insinuating he's got ice in his veins and he's a clutch player, which we've been talking about again all season. He didn't have it for 80% of this game, but when push came to shove, he came up big and made some clutch plays. And so it'll be interesting. I don't think that this for sure is not going to be handed to Sam Heward, but man, I think Heward is something special and (laughs) it's going to be a hell of a QB battle in camp for sure. But I'm really happy. I want to just enjoy the moment with Dylan Morris. Yep. He's got a, sure. you know, this is a, a marquee moment for him and his career and Jimmy Lake in his career as a head coach. And that's something special in its own right. And hopefully we can build on this and cap off a hell of a year. We have a couple of games left and with again, the beeves taking care of business in yeah. Oregon our, our path to the Pac-12 championship game is in our control. Yep, for sure. And it always was, but even more so now. So, I, mean, um, I guess I'll pose the same question back to you since maybe sure. I'm reading between the tea leaves, but maybe you feel a little bit differently after this game? I don't know if I do. I mean, um, I think I think, I mean, obviously going into the year, I think we both – thought that this was a stopgap year both of us obviously thought that kevin thompson was probably going to be the starter this year to stopgap the the year in between you know last year and then jacob eason and then next year and sam heward um but dylan morris is he's a gamer man like he he just he's a winner and you can't teach that that's just yeah. like a that's that's a willful thing that is just innate and he's showing that to his utmost ability right now um i mean we're a 3 and 0 3 and 0 football team and you could argue that two of the three wins are because he made some big plays in the clutch um so yeah and he's I he's, also- he's he's making plays when it matters most. And I don't think you can, uh, obviously you can knock him for some of the plays that he's not making, like, especially in the first half of this game, that's, that's the most shining example of his struggles as a young player. But um, you got to give him credit when he's, he's making plays down the, down the line of the game and winning the game for the team. Yeah, exactly. And, 
I think one of the things you look for in a quarterback is, is that a person and a player that the team will rally behind and believe in? And I think the general feeling coming into the game was that Dylan Morris is that kind of guy. I'll tell you what, every single player that puts on a Husky jersey believes in their quarterback today yeah, and do. going forward because what he did on that final drive was something special. And obviously we'd be remiss to – mentioned that he had incredible help as well. We finally got Puka Nakua mm -hmm. involved. I was calling his yes. name. Yeah, please do. And on that final drive, he had a couple of key catches. He laid out perfectly parallel to the ground for a huge catch couple, to move the chains. Couple third down conversions on that drive, I think. Yeah. So if we can get him to start to carry some of that momentum into future games as well, get him more involved would be great. Didn't really, have a drop. Didn't have a drop tonight. Well, he kind of had one on a on a bubble screen. It wasn't a perfectly placed ball, but it did go I right call through his drop. hands. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a drop. It wasn't as egregious as the drops we've seen in yes. the previous two games. But Correct. I mean, the the man that really stepped up was Kate Otten, and he's mm -hmm. just a workhorse, blue collar guy. He, I don't know if I've seen him drop a ball. Nope. Everything so that's thrown his way is catching it handed he is deceptively fast he understands his route concepts on that first mm -hmm. touchdown when he dragged along the line of scrimmage and the linebacker or safety or nickel i'm not sure on utah that was picking him up was playing with outside leverage and kate Otten took it and turned it upfield and kept inside leverage and basically out muscled him on that route and came down with that first touchdown just call it his stats dude yeah Eight receptions, 108 yards, two touchdowns. That's back-to-back -back games with 100 yards and at least one score. Yeah. If you're not going to guard 87, he's going to make you pay. And even if you do, he's probably still going to make you pay because he's a stud and he'll be playing on Sundays. Injuries, injuries barring for a very long time. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. And I totally agree on Puka. It was really good to see him involved on a more consistent basis tonight. He made some good plays for us and we just, we looked his way a lot more. It looked, it seemed like the game plan was more in favor of trying to get him involved in the offense, which we've been preaching for the last two games, you know, just get this guy involved because he's a playmaker. Six, six receptions for 67 yards. That's a good start. I mean, Obviously, he's capable of more than that, and there's more out there. And I think as we develop his game and start to kind of feel the strengths, strengths, strengths of his game and get him involved um, in the offense, especially just yards after catch, like that's that's where he thrives. I mean, we saw it last week against Arizona, and I want to see him get some some short short intermediate passes and be able to make something happen after the catch. So. Good to see him involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think on the defensive side, we also got to reflect. I mean, uh, so, so Sam, we've, we've talked about our, is Kate Otten gone after this year? And there's another guy pretty obvious here. Is he gone after this year? ZTF with another three sacks in this game. And it and been, another should have been four and another forced fumble too. Um, so count that up. That's seven sacks and three forced fumbles through three three games. I mean, he's he's defensive lineman of the week again, right? He has to be. 
three weeks in a row. That's three weeks in a row. I mean, is he, he's is he gone? Like he's gone, right? He definitely has made a case for himself. And again, I said it earlier with this being in a prime time slot for the East Coast viewers, and mm-hmm. he's got to have NFL scouts watching his game now if they haven't already tuned in to what's going on with ZTF, but. He's got the size. He's got all the, you know, measurables and shit. He's making them pay on the field too. One of his sacks, he just muscled his way through a double team. Didn't even matter. Got after the quarterback and got a sack. And I just am so impressed with how week in, week out, how consistent he's been to keep up this pace of multiple sacks every game is unheard of at the collegiate level especially i don't remember probably goes back to Pauli kakaha and he even wasn't averaging multiple sacks a game but he was probably i mean dtf is by far and away the best pass rusher through three games that i've seen in a husky uniform maybe in my entire life watching husky football yeah for sure i'm gonna look up kind of the the leaders in sacks this year (laughs) yeah Literally right at the top that I'm looking at here. Um, hold on. I don't know what stat they're going on here, though. Um, yeah, so I think he could. I think he could be gone. It'll be interesting. I think he's obviously put it on tape, but it's been this weird year, so I don't know if scouts are going to look at it differently than a regular season or not. I think he'll have a decision to make. I think Kate Otten just going back to that point really quick. I do yeah. think that Kate Otten could go. He's ready to go. I don't think he has anything to prove. My only questions with him is he just doesn't seem like your normal. He's such a football player and the team captain and team camaraderie, loving the experience, the collegiate experience that I could see him kind of in that Jake Locker mold and the way that Jake Locker made his decision. There's part of me that just, feels like Kate Otten might want to come back and make a run at something really special in 2021 yeah. and not miss out on that. But for all intents and purposes, he's got nothing to prove. And the NFL scouts are waiting for him with open arms. I think ZTF getting back to him, you know, he's at this point, he's been magnificent through three games, but an NFL scouts are going to want to see more production on a consistent basis than just three games. So sure. We'll see how that goes. But how is he stacking up nationally, even having only played three games? Yeah, I mean, I'm the NCAA website isn't helping me out a lot here, but um, they're not updated yet. But, I mean, even just through two games, obviously he had the two sacks in each of the first two games, and they haven't updated to the third game yet, tonight's game. Um, but he was leading the, na- the nation in sacks per game with two at that point and that's by half sack like the next closest guy is at one and a half sacks per game so um obviously improved upon that (laughs) yeah he improved upon that in this game so i imagine he is probably probably leading the nation in that category as well as up there probably in the top i mean even only in three games having seven sacks you're probably top 20 if not like 15 in in the entire nation in oh, yeah. sacks. Um, so Zion is is putting on for sure. 
Um, those are the, I mean, those are the obvious two call outs, I think on offense and defense in this game. There's a sneaky one in here that I didn't even pick up on until I looked at the box sure, score. Eddie Ulafosio, 14, 14 tackles. Yeah, tackles. yeah. Guy was flying all over the place and was, he, I mean, he, a lot of those were assisted tackles. Like he was like a part of kind of like a ball pursuit, like we've talked about, you know, right. um, but cleaning up plays, he was a big part of that today. And I think there was, I mean, there was a lot of opportunities out there for some, some better tackling. And honestly, Eddie having 14, honestly, with the way tonight's game went, isn't probably a good thing because I think he was cleaning up a lot of tackles rather than other players actually sure-handedly making those tackles. And yeah, that's a some really of those, good point. Some of those opposing offensive players gaining another three or four yards off of those plays. So, but nonetheless, I mean, 14 tackles is a outstanding game no matter what. Um, so another, another really good game for, for, for Eddie Lofoscio. Um, But the, the, I mean, the two guys that I wanted to shout out, at least on defense, Elijah, again, yeah. I mean, probably we talked about how much this team struggled with tackling, but he was probably our most sure tackler tonight as far as just one-on-one solo tackler. Um, Absolutely. Especially near the line of scrimmage. So he made some big plays on some tackles and then also had that big interception in, in the first half. Um, or was that, was that second half? That was second half. I thought it was the, Utah's first drive in the second yeah, half. That was second that half. Was the interception yep. that led to our field yep, goal? You're right. Yep, that was second half, and obviously would have liked us to turn that into a touchdown, but still ended up getting three points, and was we won by three points. So that was the difference in the game, if you think about it. Um, so Elijah, another. I mean, we're so lucky to have that guy back. Like he could have yeah. taken off for the NFL. He's totally ready for that that type that type of ball on Sundays and uh to have him back is a special moment so I'm definitely relishing in his his presence on the field the other guy I want to talk about real quick is Kyler yeah what a what a hit on that fumble that he caused against Ty Jordan which we should talk about him too but I mean that's textbook as far as causing a fumble and getting a big turnover, which I don't think we ended up even scoring off of, but it changed field no, position. Changed field position, and it took points off the board for Utah. They were in for our sure. red zone. And to your point, he played that. You couldn't draw it up any better than how Kyler Gordon played that. He had outside contain. He held his own. I think it was a reverse or a fly sweep type of play. And he held his own. He kind of jumped to contain, jumped around the guy that was supposed to be blocking him, put his helmet right on the ball, wrapped up both legs, planted him, and then Zion picked it up and was off to the races until he just kind of nonchalantly stepped out of bounds. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm definitely not gonna... he, I definitely thought he could have taken that another, you know, 15 to 20 yards. But yeah, I think the sideline kind of creeped up and caught him. But mm-hmm. anyways, yeah. Fantastic play by Kyler. Would love to see him getting more looks on defense. And I think even staying in the defensive backfield, one of the things that I noticed towards the end of the game was that Cam Williams was starting to get some looks. It's good. Good call. I was about to say that too. Like, I mean, he's playing over Alex Cook towards the end of that game. 
Yeah, and Alex Cook was the one that kind of got burned on one of their touchdowns in the early parts of the game to yep, that Brian was Thompson. Lot. I think that was their th- second or third touchdown. Third touchdown, I think, yeah. Yeah, so it was nice to see Cam Williams out there. Again, looked like he had some angle, you know, angle of pursuit and tackling issues. He kind of whiffed on one or two tackles, I remember. But he definitely – it felt like he had a – more significant impact on the game yeah. when he was in there. He stood so I, out more. Exactly. So I would love to see him and Kyler both continue to get looks in that defensive backfield. For and sure. again, it's just, it comes down to our DBs are so talented. We go six, seven deep back there and it's yeah. hard to find playing time for everyone, but kind of like our running back situation, I think you got to go with a hot hand. And when you have somebody like Kyler, that's just playing outside of his mind, or, you know, Cam Williams coming in and showing flashes. You got to give them the chances on Saturdays to mm-hmm. make that spot and claim their starting position. I, I would love to see us rotate back there a bit more than, than we have so far. So it'll be interesting to see if those two in particular have earned a, a few additional game game day snaps. Yeah, no doubt. And staying on the defensive side of the ball here, you know, we got a lot of, a lot of run tonight and now that i'm looking down the stat line did ryan bowman play tonight no ryan bowman was out kind of similar feelings as we do with richard, richard newton. newton yeah whether that's injury related or covid related i'm not really sure but he definitely didn't play i didn't see either of them on the sideline either yeah but the guy that stepped into his shoes i felt like played a pretty good game i saw a couple solid. of freshman mistakes here or there but sure Savelle savvy smalls man he's coming on he's coming on watch out number 17 is here to stay and i'm expecting the lights to really flip on for him you know we've kind of been calling for it game in game out and it's been a little bit more of a gradual uptick but mm-hmm. he's got a role on this defense for sure yeah and he got like we said significant playing time tonight and I don't think he made any like major errors that stood out to me, at least upon just watching the live initial feed. Um, I mean, obviously Utah put up 215 rush yards against us. So I don't know. I saw him, I saw him lose contain pretty bad on one play. And that's, uh, there's probably a couple of those. Yeah. I I bet there's a couple, two or maybe even three of those in this game. Um, But I mean, I think, I think a lot of that was just, their especially the first half, just their their line over, you know, dominating our our defensive line. They were winning up front in the physicality standpoint. We were getting pushed off the ball like crazy in that first half. Um, so I think I think a lot of those rush yards came from that. Um, but definitely definitely not what we expect from this defense week in and week out. I'd say and pretty pretty disappointing to see a 215 rushing yards total for for utah in this game yeah for sure we would like to hold them to less than that but again at some point you got to tip your tip your cap to utah that's their brand of football sure they're going to get theirs as well defensively one of the other things that caught my eye as well and we talked about it in the preview with two players defensively that haven't played thus far in Tuli Latuli Nasanoa and Layatu Latu. Tuli was in there. He was yep. suited up and he got a couple of snaps. I think they're probably easing him back into game shape. Yeah, he was. But that is 
that is a big development for this team for, sure. for this season and going into next season. Cause Thule is when he's healthy and in game shape, he is a difference maker in solidifying this defense. Yeah. He's got some major facial hair going on right now too, dude. You should see that beard that he's wearing right now. I know he's trying to, I don't know. I think I need to catch up to him. I'm working on it. <laughs> you got a pretty good beard going yourself, man. But like, that's, I mean, that's something to, to be proud of, I guess. I mean, he's, he's definitely rocking it. So good for Thule. And yeah, definitely good to see him back on the field, even in a limited capacity. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that that is obviously a sign of things to come as far as him becoming being like being healthy, obviously first and foremost and getting involved in this defense on a more more consistent basis um i think we should we should shout out real quick i mean we've obviously we've talked some some positives and some negatives um on on the uw half like side of things but can we do before we transition can we do one more positive call out sure on yeah the go offensive side yeah. of the ball if we you, have, if skipped, you have one more go for yeah it. we kind of skipped over him but Similarly to Eddie on defense, this guy on offense had a quietly very impactful game. Terrell Bynum had yep. three catches for 44 yards, big catches, and then came up big in the run game. We couldn't get much going with our running backs. He had two We carries, needed to see more of him in the running Two carries game. for 24 yards. So those were, you know, only 70 yards or so, but really key moments. He came up mm -hmm. big with a couple of, impactful plays he did seem to get nicked up there pretty bad i think he got his wrist caught funny i don't know if it was a dislocation or or broken he they ran him off the field and then i did see him come back out with a huge wrap and ice on his hand so mm -hmm. we can speculate but if he had really broken his hand i don't know if they would have trotted him back out there with that maybe it was it's just true. like a dislocation where they took him back, popped it back in place and put ice on it to reduce swelling. But was he, he the one a... that went straight to the locker room? Yeah. He just went yeah. straight to the locker room. And I think it was just, he landed on his hand kind of funny. So I'm hoping right. for the best there because he really had a big presence and, and made some big plays and key moments for us offensively. And mm -hmm. it definitely worth a call out those, you know, again, only 70 yards from the line of scrimmage, not necessarily, anything to write home about but really those yards were really critical gains from the line of scrimmage and hopefully he's able to rehab and get back and contribute to the rest of the season but definitely worth calling out Terrell Bynum had a really solid game for us yeah no doubt and yeah definitely hope that he's healthy because there's no one really like him in our wide receiver core as far as um, just kind of that quick twitch guy that can get the ball kind of in space wherever and make some guys miss and get some hard earned yards in that way. So, um, hopefully he's, he's healthy going forward and we can, we can have him still in this offense. Um, but switching over to Utah's offense, I do want to, I mean, just touch on how impressive Ty Jordan looked. I he mean, for a really good. For a true freshman, I, I mean, I, Sam and I both shouted him out in the preview episode, just how impressive he looked, not necessarily stat-wise, but just on tape, looked in that, that USC game for Utah, and he showed that 
again. And, you know, 10 carries for 97 yards, not only that, but had four receptions for 31 more yards. So you're talking 130 yards of offense basically by this guy on 14 touches. So definitely someone that's going to be a mainstay in their offense, I think for the next three to four years and um, elite speed. I think that was obvious today, but just like, just super um, deceptive and how he's able to, it, he, he seems like a more veteran player than, than it looks like out there. He's just got that juice, like, like a young player, but he's also, he reads blocks really well, is able to set up his running lanes really well. Um, and he just, he, he impressed me. And obviously he had that big fumble that, that Kyler caused, but that, it, that, that didn't really amount to anything in this game. So I mean, other than that, he had a he had a stellar impact on their offense this this in in this game tonight. Yeah, I'm really impressed with him, and I think he'll do special special things in that offense for Utah for the years to come, without a doubt. I think, you know, he looks really impressive. Probably one of the more impressive looking running backs in the conference. Obviously, yeah. I think at this point, Jamar Jefferson has more or less separated Hands himself. Down down at Oregon state as the premier running back in the conference, but I yeah. Jordan, man, if he can continue to grow in his young career, he is de They've definitely got something special going on at, at Utah for sure with him. Yeah. That was probably, uh, I probably criticized him by comparing him to Jesse Callier in his freshman year, <laughs> but like, that's just what he reminded me of as far as just a big play threat. He's, he's obviously that like, um, I don't know what his long was tonight, but he had a couple pretty long runs, you know, 20 to 30 yards. Yeah. He broke off that 46 us. yarder against us. And if See, it weren't so. for the quick twitch, super fast defensive back that we have in Trent McDuffie, that would have been six for sure. But Trent yeah. cut him off at like the three yard line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was an impressive run. I think broke a handful of tackles Split and through like three tackles too. like, like you could, you could, call some of those missed tackles but it was just an impressive run nonetheless like i mean three of those guys i think he made like miss just by making a an amazing cut that probably only about two or three guys in this conference can make so i i can't i can't speak high enough about how ty jordan played tonight especially as a true freshman in his second second game in college i i admire the kid i think he's going to be really good for for a long time for this Utah team. So big shout for outs sure. to him. Yeah. Well-deserved. Absolutely. Um, Anybody else on Utah you want to fanboy over or can we go back? I to mean, the yeah. I mean, Brian, <laughs> we, we talked about Brian Thompson already, but like obviously three receptions, six, 65 yards and a touchdown, just their big play threat. And um, Devin Lloyd had a good game for them defensively, 11 yep. tackles, tackle for loss. Yep. All guys that we talked about, you know, pregame. Um, and Britton Covey did get in there this game. He got rocked again. MJ. <laughs> Tafisi got him this time on a punt return. And yeah, Britton Covey, I don't think likes playing against, against the Huskies. So I think he's, I think I, I would not be at all surprised next year in 2021 if we play Utah. He's just tapping his helmet, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not gonna play, play this game. You know, you, you got this, guys. 
I wouldn't blame him. At least at that point, maybe he'll be able to make it through a full season. Seems yeah. like he gets banged up pretty bad when he plays us. So, for sure, for sure. Um, I'll ask you a quick question, and I don't yeah. want to. I'm so riding a high from this game. I mean, total it's roller awesome. coaster. I mean, yeah, down in the dumps after the first half, and then to see us battle back is a great thing. So I don't want to somber the mood too much so i'll try to phrase this question as positively as possible there's definitely some things that we need to improve on so what are those things that you would like to see us improve upon particularly that stood out as negatives in this game that hopefully we can clean up moving forward for the rest of the season yeah i mean i think the biggest thing is the run game um and even with Richard Newton out, I mean, these three guys should be able to get better yardage than they did in this game. Um, I don't think that's all of their fault. I mean, I, I don't think the offensive line played particularly well in this game. And so I'd like to see them improve um, in in games to come over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, at the same time... Go ahead. Sorry, sorry ahead. for cutting you off, but particularly no, in the ahead. run game, they played poorly. I think they still played relatively well, pass protection wise. Sure, our they running backs Dylan helped out clean. there. Yeah, Dylan Morris is still at this point in the season yet to be sacked, so I think that's a yep. worthy call out. But I totally validate your point there. We need to create more running lanes for these running backs. We got physically outmatched in the running game for sure. Yeah, which is just, I mean, to be frank here is unacceptable with just the size that we have especially right. at that guard position so that needs to improve and we need to be able to physically dominate opponents i mean i think this game was again a tale of two halves but it didn't need to be like this like i mean we could have we could have helped ourselves out a lot if we're just playing like we usually do in in running the ball so I think I think Utah obviously keyed in, keyed in on that. And um, on that note, I mean, if if they're keying in on that and they're putting seven or eight in the box, we talked about earlier um, how we wanted this UW offense to be able to stretch the stretch the field, and I don't think we really saw that tonight. Um, you saw K. Dotton get some longer receptions in quotes but i mean those are intermediate routes really like, right. like they're not they're not long bombs you got you saw terrell bynum i guess with one kind of over the top shot um i think that was our going into our first touchdown in the third quarter yeah i think went so. out at like the second like the three two or three yard line yep could have been a touchdown if if dylan leads him there and then obviously i mean you have the the Ty Jones that ends up in an interception gets Ty Jones gets some separation. And if Dylan puts that ball where it needs to be um, in, you know, three or four yards further than it was that that could be a touchdown too. It's probably like a 60 yard touchdown there. So. Did you think um, there was PI on that one? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. I kind of um, thought the same thing. I wasn't totally convinced my dad was I don't screaming. I don't hate I don't hate the no call but I did think that it was BI. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I If if I was a Utah fan, I would obviously say no way. As a Husky sure. fan, I think there for sure was early contact. I don't feel like it was 
It wasn't egregious. It wasn't egregious contact. The DB definitely didn't get his head around. Yeah, that was the main thing for me. As a Husky fan, I would have loved to have seen the PI call there. But I I thought on that play, Ty Jones, I mean, I guess to your point, like obviously starts with the pass. Definitely could have, you know, whether Dylan Morris had the arm to put it out there three or four yards further or not, he definitely could have thrown it earlier Mm. and hit that timing better. But Mm. I also felt like Ty Jones could have kind of come back to the ball and played a mm-hmm. more physical, you know, made a more physical approach to the ball. Yeah. Would have at least helped maybe draw the penalty a bit more. I felt like he was kind sure. of fading away from the ball a bit, but Terrell again, Bynum what, had, had one of those in the end zone too. I thought that was also PI. I thought that I was that, PI for sure. That was in the first half, I think. Yep. And I think we ended up missing a field goal on, on that Which, drive. I'll get to that's my main. Yeah. But anyway, I, I think, I think on that play, if Terrell fights for the ball a little bit more, he kind of just faded away and fell down. Um, I think if he fights the ball, fights for the ball a little bit more, that was clinical PI as far as just DB not getting right. his head around. There's some contact right before the, the catch attempt. So, um, but I mean, to answer your question a little bit more directly, Sam, I think the biggest thing, Biggest takeaways I think that we can improve on, obviously line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, especially in the first half. I think the second half was a lot better, but first half was sloppy and not what we expect from this team. Running backs could have done a lot better at reading lanes, I think. And um, I would have, I, I, th- I think also personnel. Like I think I would have liked to see a lot more of Cam Davis in this game. And yes. I think he could have made Breach. some things happen. I think he could have made some things happen in that running game. And I think they they went back to McGrew and Pleasant way too often in this game. And it just wasn't working, which maybe it didn't work for Cam Davis either. But, I mean, he only had two carries on the night. I would have liked to see more and seen what he could have done, um, especially with Richard Newton go, being out. I think he deserves those carries. And then in the passing game, I just want to see Dylan Morris improve on his accuracy and in more of a downfield perspective like throwing the ball downfield over top of the defense and being able to really solidify that part of our offense and legitimize that we can have that deep threat because that's going to stretch defenses out and really open up everything else on offense so um, I think those are the big three takeaways I know they're kind of general but I don't know about you Sam yeah, no, I couldn't agree more on the offensive side of the ball. Those two areas definitely stood out to me. And I think it's something, especially the the, the threat of extending the field over the top of the defense and some of those big plays is something we need to focus on because this is great film for teams that are scouting against us. And yeah. they know if you can stack the box and we've struggled with those big plays. So which is what Oregon State did, did against us too. So, exactly. And so, if teams know that they can stack eight or nine in the box, and we struggle, even if you know, at this point, and I hate to say it, but at this point, it's the truth. If you play mono e mono one on one outside, and your DB gets smoked by twenty yards, and somebody's galloping wide open. I don't have faith that Dylan Morris at this point is going to even make the pitch and catch to a wide open receiver yeah. 30 yards down the field or more. 
Right. And so I think we'll see in our upcoming games, people are going to continue to stack the box against us and we need yeah. to make them pay for that. And until we show that we can actually do that, right. I think we're going to see a little bit of offensive struggle like we did tonight. So I couldn't agree more with, with those two call outs on offense. I think two other things worth noting, and we touched on it earlier defensively, we looked kind of sloppy tackling. Mm-hmm definitely left some missed tackles out there again like hats off to ty jordan he he earned his out there for sure but i know there's one guy that you want to talk about so please shout him out as far as you think i'm going down the jackson sermon route again uh maybe possibly yeah i think he could have played a better game that's about as nice (laughs) as i can be that's that's extremely nice of you that's really nice of you sam yeah, we need to get better play out of that linebacker position opposite of Eddie Ulafoscio. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackson Sermon's just not it. I think he's an adequate at best linebacker. That's, I think at this point yeah. he's the weak link of our defense, and it's starting to, you know, week in week out get exposed a bit. So we really mm-hmm. could use one of those younger, more talented, more physically capable players to step up, whether that's an Alfonso Tupatala who got in on a couple of snaps again, he was playing or yep. Danny, the hammer Hamuli get in there. We'll see, but yeah, that's definitely going to be an, a, a recurring Achilles heel of this defense is just a lack of ability at that linebacker position opposite of Eddie. But I thought overall, especially in the second half, I you got to be, pumped about what we saw out of the team yeah the team defensive unit we played really well it kept them off the board which obviously we needed but my other thing that i really just can't get over is the kicking game like what the hell (laughs) were we doing in the first half that was really bad that was a bad sequence we put up no points in the first half we had an easy chip shot maybe not a chip shot but an easy 35 yard field goal Granted, it was on the left hash. Peyton Henry notoriously is a draw slash total shank hook artist of a kicker. Likes mm-hmm. to be on the right hash so he can use his left foot to hook it into the goal posts. So even at 35 yards, it's like, this is going to be a tough field goal. But what the fuck were we yeah. doing? Coming up, getting all cute, changing the formation, having our holder go under center. Like, I don't know what we are doing. I know what we were, I know what we were trying to do, but it was fucking stupid. We were trying to draw them off sides. Well, and I I don't mind that if we're going to call a timeout. The taking, taking the delay of game is just inexcusable. I think like that's, that's Jimmy Lake just being stupid as far as coaching. Yeah. That's a for sure coaching error because that took points off the ball, off the board. Even if, Peyton Henry hits the same exact ball from the original spot. It goes through the uprights. He didn't miss it by that much. And again, like I said, he was hooking it from left to right. And the extra five yards was a difference between that ball going in between the uprights. And it was Mm. because we got cute, try to draw him off sides, which again, maybe we can agree to disagree. I think play the game the way it's supposed to be played take some humble pie, get your freaking three points, go into halftime with at least something on the scoreboard. Sure. But we get all cute and fancy and try to do some, you know, Houdini bullshit and try to get an easy first down. Instead, to your point, 
we don't use a timeout. We take the five yard delay of game penalty and we miss the freaking field goal. Yeah. I was losing my mind over that. Yeah. I think, I mean, I agree. You, you probably don't want to get too cute at that point. And I mean, hindsight, hindsight's 2020, obviously, but with the way that it turned out on that drive, but um, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate us giving them a look and just seeing what they did when we lined up to quote unquote, kind of change the play up and go for it, but call a timeout at least like, don't, don't F around with five more yards and adding that to your, as far as pressure on your kicker to nail an even longer field goal. That was unnecessary. So, I mean, we can, we can agree to disagree. I think there, Sam, I, I didn't hate the, the, um, the look there just because we had timeouts to waste. Like I think we had two timeouts at the time. So yeah, I mean, I, maybe I, if we execute it appropriately with the timeout being called, I don't. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the main up. mistake that I see is that we did not call the timeout. Like, if we're gonna do that, we have to call the timeout. If we're if we're not gonna call the timeout, obviously, I completely agree with you. Just kick the ball. Um. Yeah. With the caveat no, I... of us not not calling the timeout. Um. Yeah. This bad. Yeah. Luck. I hear you on that, but at the same time, like last week, we tried to do the same BS on the goal line for a PAT. Sure. Yeah, we do this Snap crazy. Yeah, I you know, think Race Porter Porter got in on that though. I think he did too, but still, like, what are we doing? I know we're. I mean, we're up thirty to zero or something at that time too. So, like, if you're trying to win the game, trying to pull this cutesy crap on kicking yeah. plays, like, we got a we're in a world of hurt. Like, Which just. I, kick the ball i think 90 percent of that's probably on jimmy but bob gregory is obviously in on that too so i don't know God i don't damn know where that comes do i need from, to tell so. jimmy to call ryan sapardo from oregon state and get him on the staff or something What's maybe going on? i don't know i mean i have to think that jimmy has the final call on that those types of plays especially when it's that that big of a play so yeah, I, mean, I think he's for I think, sure I think, the, I think Jimmy's the just a he's a he's he's a young guy that wants to be aggressive um, as a head coach, and he's preached that from the beginning. But there's obviously a fine line between aggressiveness and stupidity. So um, I think he's he's learning and maybe learning some of this stuff the hard way, albeit in wins. So yeah he can, no. hum- he can he can eat his humble pie and hopefully learn from this and move on yeah and i guess when you phrase it that way i probably cool off a little bit like if it's <laughs> a product of jimmy being aggressive i've i'm your rock sam i bring you back down to earth whenever <laughs> you're you know molten lava and about to explode so well shit man after a game like this i need you more than ever but... <laughs> that's but that yeah first i think if we got to ride or die with Jimmy's aggressiveness and, and take some lumps on some of these plays that so far, luckily haven't cost us a game, I'll take it. But at some point in time, and I guess you could predict it from the beginning of the season, just with the way that Jimmy approaches, you know, that aggressive trying to win the game in every aspect of the game mentality. Like it's only a matter of time before one of these things kind of creeps up and, bites him in the ass but so far we're three and oh and it's working out so when you phrase it that way for you know 
the other aggressive play calls he's made, it's obviously been worth it, whether it was that fake punt last week on our first drive that led to that opening score and kind of set the tone to the game. Like, I can't, I can't knock him for that, I suppose. But it doesn't make me like it anymore when we're running <laughs> some crazy motions on a routine PAT or routine 35-yard field goal and taking points off the board. It just makes me sick to see it. But that's why I'm sitting here with a microphone in front of my face and <laughs> not a headset on my head on Saturdays. I don't know, man. I think we should be coaching. I would probably be a really bad coach. I get way too emotionally invested and tear my players down when they make bad plays. But I, I'm, I'm overall, I'm really impressed with the job that Jimmy Lake has done. Yeah. Not, not to mention like head coach transitions are notoriously messy. Obviously That's this true. is a little bit different than most in the sense that he's, you know, an internal hire and a Chris Peterson disciple. And most of the staff is, here from last year as well but he's just to be three and know at this point and to battle the adversity that we did in this game today he's done a marvelous job and i couldn't be happier for him and for the team i couldn't help but feel like running through my tv listening to him in his quick little post-game interview on the field afterwards he was jacked up for zion and he was asked a question about dylan morris and what he saw in his quarterback and he just has so much passion for the game, so much passion for the players. And positivity. I, I, exactly. And I couldn't help myself from thinking in that moment while he was talking and, you know, all juiced up and everything that like, we are so lucky to have him for sure as our head coach. And in the same breath, I had my heart sink a little bit because I'm like, damn, he is, so charismatic and he's so good on the field again we talked about it before on the podcast like i have a hard time seeing him leaving for another head coaching job within the college ranks but if he keeps us on this upward trajectory and we keep filling the pipeline with you know highly rated talented players it might be a shorter career at uw than we think because the nfl is going to be I'm calling pretty soon, I think. And knowing Jimmy and his career to, you know, his career path that's gotten him to where he is now, he, I think he's got his eyes on the pro game, but again, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here and enjoy what we have while we have it. But I guess I would just put that out as a little bit of a warning to Husky football fans that mm -hmm. if you're thinking that we're going to have a, you know, head coach for 20 plus years and lead us to another Don James, era of excellence it might be an excellent era but i don't think it's going to be that long no yeah and i don't like thinking about that just because i think that's reality at this point um but if covid's taught us anything it's to live in the moment and really enjoy and be gracious with what you have um so what we have with jimmy lake i think right now is pretty special so enjoy it husky fans i would say um for for a little transition here sam i want to take a step back here and just look at the standings here in the south and the north unless you had anything else to say about the game specifically but i think no i can help everything. you in this transition by saying 
Go Beavers! (laughs) We talked about it last night. And, um, yeah, Beavers obviously had a big win against Oregon, and UW finds himself alone, top of the Pac-12 North at 3-0 after technically four weeks of Pac-12 play. Um, I think, I mean, with the way that Cal's trending, I think we would be 4-0 at this point. I know that I chalked that up as a loss going into the year, but if we had played that first game, just the way that Cal is playing right now, I think we probably win that game. Um, so you're probably looking at a 4-0 team right now. And uh, like Sam said, Oregon State with a big win over Oregon, so Oregon's 3-1 and now. And we got Stanford next week, presumably at least at this point. There's yep. some weird things kind of going. I don't know if you were following Wilner at all today, Sam. I was. Yeah, but um, Palo Alto specifically and uh, California just in general, are they're getting some pretty stingy rules down there again with, with COVID outbreaks and everything. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, I think it's another another thing that we can circle on the schedule that we're not sure what's going to happen with this next game. But it does sound like because it's an away game in Seattle, again, we've only played we've only played home games this year. How great is that? Well, that was going to be one of the things that I said. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but because because it's in Seattle, I think it's likely still to happen so long as they're not there's not COVID cases in between now and then. Right. Um, but as far as just protocols and stuff, there's some practice and game protocols as far as um, basically they can't happen now in in that vicinity, in that area that Stanford is right now. So uh, fortunately, again, this this next game against Stanford is is supposed to be in Seattle. So I don't think it's I don't think it's going to affect that game, but we'll see how this next week, next week trends. Um, thoughts on that, Sam? Yeah, no, I, I'm excited about it. I think to your point, we've kind of had things fall our way scheduling wise. I mean, I think we all felt a little bit salty about the first week going the way that it did with the cancellation of our game against Cal, but knowing what we know now, everybody's getting a canceled game. And so with the way that the schedule has fallen and we have the four out of our five games at home is been awesome i think it's a comfortable place to be for the huskies not having to deal with you know all of the craziness that covid season entails when you're the traveling ball club and i look forward to getting an inside look at what all that looks like when we have our friend ryan on the podcast after the season Sapari, so, you're coming on bud yeah i'll make it happen he he's he's excited but i think having those games fall the way that they have and having Stanford at home again, before we travel on the road for the big yep. showdown in Eugene, I think yep. is a really good thing. And I haven't honestly watched the Stanford game yet. So I was, I was going to kind of toss it back your way and get your thoughts. If you've been able to key on key in on anything that you've seen from Stanford on a surface level. I mean, they lost pretty handedly in their opener against Oregon Mm-hmm. They lost a close game against Colorado. They had a game canceled 
last week against Wazoo, and then they came out with a nail-biter 24-23 victory over Cal. That was last night, wasn't it? Friday night? Yes, yep, Friday night game, yep. So, again, the kind big of, game. you're probably going to get a similar preview from us this week as you did when we were talking about Utah in the sense that, you know, Stanford, I think for all intents and purposes, are a little bit in a, a rebuild. They don't have the same star power and firepower that we're accustomed to seeing from a David Shaw, Stanford Cardinal team. Yep. But David Shaw is a hell of a coach nonetheless. And again, if if you don't come back, if you don't come to play, Stanford will make you pay. So mm-hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts kind of looking forward to next week? Yeah. I mean, I think overall Stanford's just a well-coached team and you should never overlook the Cardinal. Um, I think they are a little underwhelming this year. And is there a starter starting quarterback back in? I'm not sure. He was out with COVID. He was out with COVID, right? Yeah. He was out with COVID earlier. Let me check the box score of this last game. Yeah. Yeah, He was in this last game. So, um, yeah, I mean, just briefly looking at this last game, it looks like, I mean, Davis Mills, obviously a decently proven commodity in the Pac-12. He had a pretty decent year last year and not a lot of, not a lot of experience at quarterback in the Pac-12 this year. So one of the more experienced Pac-12 quarterbacks and Davis Mills. Um, so we'll definitely need to defend well in our secondary. I think they'll run the ball. Like they kind they of have always a really do. good running back. Austin Jones, I think, gives some of these Pac-12 running backs that we've already called out in Jamar Jefferson, Ty mm-hmm. Jordan of Utah. Mm-hmm. Austin Jones is a really talented runner. So Stanford, they've they've got players that doesn't seem like they've been able to put it all together, but yeah, we'll do our, our preview podcast and really get in deep on the Stanford roster later on in the week. But looking forward to the game, I think. At this point, I, I do expect us to win, and that would put us, sure. what, 4-0 going into Eugene and yep. playing for the North Championship. And yep. at the end of the day, that's, you know, we can talk about college football playoff and making a run for the national championship. All I care about year in, year out, win the fucking Apple Cup, win the North, and compete for the Pac-12 championship. That's a great year for the Huskies Sam, in my mind. And might I interrupt you here, whether we win or not next week, we're playing for the uh, the North Championship in Eugene. That's true. So Very true. Obviously want to obviously want to <laughs> win next week, like I think that's that's a given. But right. whether we win or not, it's it's all on the table in Eugene on the 12th. Um I just, I want to shout out real quick and obviously we'll dig deep into Stanford this next week, but Connor Weddington a local kid that obviously kind of got away and kind of spurned us a little bit. Yeah. I'm pretty salty about Connor Weddington and I would not mind us shutting him out in a big way. Um, usually root for the local kids if they go elsewhere, but with the way that that recruitment went, um, I don't, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't condone anything that Connor Weddington does, does on Saturdays as far as, you know, productivity. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it, honestly. And we can talk more about it later this week. But ultimately, if I had to summarize how the recruitment went, UW was in on him really early. I think he's from Sumner down south in southern Washington. Yep. And 
he committed to UW pretty early and he was one of the more vocal guys in that group and recruited really hard was all dogs, all purple and gold, trying to rally other high school players to join in that recruitment class. But from what I had heard, he, he actually was an excellent student in high school. And I think sure. he was always looking for that Stanford offer. And really the way that the recruiting goes for Stanford is you get an offer but the offer isn't really committable. You can't really sign against that offer until you're admitted academically. Right. And so when Weddington was, he was kind of on the fence, whether or not, you know, on that bubble, whether or not he was going to qualify academically. And when he did, he pretty quickly flipped to Stanford just due to the prestigious education more than anything. So part of me feels salty because I felt like, he could have done some really special things staying home, but it's not like he went to Oregon or Wazoo or anything else. Like I can't sure. really fault the kid for choosing a sta- a free Stanford education, yep. but UW education isn't too shabby either. No, I mean, and that's, I guess my point, but you get an offer from Stanford. And if, if you really are a nerd, nerd alert, <laughs> then uh, all, all intents and purposes, good for you and good for Connor Weddington. Fine, fine, Sam. I'll give up my argument. But I mean, I, I'm not going to root for the guy, but I'm also not going to call him like, I don't know, who really spurned us in the past, like Jonathan I, Stewart. Sure, that's a good call out. I think um, uh, was a kid that Miles Jack, kid that went to UCLA. Oh, get out of here with him. Can't that was a pretty bad him. one. Yeah, Don't even that was root pretty for bad him in one. the NFL. Get out of here. Yeah, that was a pretty bad one. I feel like there's been some others. Taylor Mays went to USC. Oh, that was a bad one. Yeah. We that don't was, need to. That, we don't need that to was during a really rough time, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so obviously looking forward to the matchup against Stanford, assuming that it actually happens. Um, Sam, yeah, I, and I think we're probably pretty close to wrapping up this episode but i guess a couple things to note we do have a uw men's basketball game tomorrow and might we continue the trend of hashtag fire larry scott because the only way that you can watch and tune into that game is if you have a it's called flow hoops i think flowhoops.com it's, it's not even worth giving them the promotion on this lowly so podcast. it's it's not on tv folks <laughs> it's not on tv it's only online i'm sure larry scott's patting himself on the back because he got a nice bonus from it but um yeah so we play baylor tomorrow on uh, men's basketball number, opens the season number two baylor right. um and yeah we're not going to be able to see it so hopefully the boys do well and i fully expect them to completely get demolished by a number two Baylor Baylor squad. I yeah. think they're going to be completely overmatched, but good luck to Mike Hopkins and the boys. And so, so it's a, it's a completely new year when it comes to UW men's basketball. I think Sam and I will probably definitely talk about, not, I probably definitely, I, I'm really good at this at this time of night. Well, we will definitely talk UW men's hoops um in coming episodes especially as this season gets going and conference season i think opens up this next week again with weird year it's usually opening up in january but i think the first game's like the fifth so a week from tonight yeah next saturday i think is technically the next 
the first first game in conference. Um, so we'll we'll have some things to say possibly about Husky basketball in the next episode as well. Looking yep. forward to that weekend and possibly reflecting on this Baylor game that's supposed to happen tomorrow. Um, a lot of transfers, so just com- again a completely new roster. Sam and I don't really know what to expect from this team, but we'll find out some some more after they play play in their game tomorrow. As far as other sports, obviously the Seahawks play Monday night football against the Eagles this next week um, and big game for them. Obviously they have a favorable schedule down the stretch and if they're able to win out, it is possible that they could get that number one seed in the NFC. So hopefully they're able to win on Monday night against the Eagles against a struggling Carson Wentz. And then the Sounders obviously have a big playoff game. Um, We didn't shout them out last episode, but coming off a big win against LAFC, repeated their scoreline from the Western Conference Finals in last year, three to one over LAFC, and really really looked like a really good team and a team that's um, getting hot when it matters. So they they have a big game against Dallas, because Dallas beat Portland. So gotta, gotta love that. Um, so that'll be at Lumen field on Tuesday. Um, against, I don't know against where FC that is. Dallas. Yeah. This century link is now Lumen field. If in case you haven't heard now, folks. What? Yeah. Lumen field. Are you shitting me? I'm not shitting you, dude. You haven't heard of this. No. Yeah. When did this happen? This happened the night of the Seahawks game against the Cardinals. The clink is dead? The clink is dead. It is now Lumen Field. What the hell is a Lumen? It's a good question. I mean, I know Lumens is like like a like lights, like as far as like the brightness of lights. Like the, the projector that I have is fifty five hundred lumens. Oh no. This can't be real. It's real. Believe it. I didn't say I loved it, but Believe it. Oh no! <laughs> oh, it's great. No. I, I love, I love this like fresh, you know, reaction to news live on the podcast. Dude, I don't believe you. I just googled Lumen Field. It doesn't even come up. It's not real. Are you sure? It, look up Lumen Field. I, I guarantee CenturyLink Field comes up, but no, it's called Lumen. Field. Oh yeah, there it is. God yeah. damn it. Lumen Fields and multi-purpose stadiums in Seattle, Washington, located in city Soto neighborhood, aka Century Link Field. I don't like it. I mean, we're all we're humans here. We don't like change, so I get it. Listen, but where do the Mariners play? It can, it can be called the Lou. No, where do the Mariners play? <laughs> It's safe. Don't you dare say it. That's right. Safeco Field. I don't care what they say. Yeah. It honestly should be called Griffey Field, but you're probably right. That I I would I would not put it past them that they end up doing that. Like probably when Griffey dies, but I don't know why people do that. I'm gonna go on a tangent here because I hate shit like that. Why do you (laughs) wait for somebody to die to give them this great honor? It's like I'm starting this thing this year, I decided. That like on everybody's birthday, you basically give them like a birthday eulogy. You say all the nice things that you want to say about them when they're still alive. Like mm. Caroline 
my wife Caroline, I think I'm probably going to get the story wrong. I try to say this all the time, and she always has to correct me. This is going to be I great. Think, yeah, I'm going into some dangerous waters here. It's going to be awesome. Bringing the wife up on the podcast. But I think she had a track coach that had a, had a saying that goes, having something nice to say to someone and not saying it is like wrapping a gift for them, but not ever giving it to them. Like, why would you wait putting it. to name Griffey Field until he's gone? I get it. He is the one that built that ballpark, so I completely agree. Yeah. So there's a little words of wisdom, 11 p.m. on a Saturday night after a kick-ass Husky victory <laughs> that had my heart racing. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, that's kind of what's going on in the Seattle sports world right now. Obviously, again, Sam and I are going to be focusing in on, on, on Husky football, I think, for the most part, at least during this season. But definitely willing to talk other Seattle sports. I think we'll probably have Justin on for another episode here in the near future we'll touch on both some seahawks and some sounders in that episode probably coming out if not this next week possibly the weekend week after kind of depends on how things roll with the sounders in this next week um but yeah i mean i think that that probably wraps up most of this episode sam um obviously if you guys are at this point in the episode again i will say subscribe follow us Honestly, what matters most is if you hit that play button. So um, those play those play button um, interactions is what kind of counts in podcasts as far as just like kind of uh, uh, marketability and exposure. So definitely hit that play button. And if we're at a slow part of the episode, just fast forward to a new part of new part of the episode. Maybe Sam and I will get a little bit better about time stamping some of this, some of these episodes. <laughs> I, I know that definitely involves some backend work that we're not super into right now, but we'll get better at that. Maybe, especially kind of as we, as we grow this, grow this podcast. So hit that play button folks. And again, subscribe and follow us. We're on all major podcast platforms. Sam, why don't you remind our listeners about leaving us messages on anchor as well? Yeah, Absolutely. Go to follow the link. It should be under the title header on most podcast platforms to anchor.com. If not, you can Google anchor and look for us Emerald city fandom on anchor. There's a way to leave a voice message. In one of our previous episodes, we spotlighted a listener of ours and answered a question live. So it's a way to get some airtime as well. We are looking forward to interacting with our listeners. So please go check that out. And to Connor's point, definitely hit the play button, listen to us, take a, you know, a page out of my dad's book in terms of listening to me on 2x speed gets through it a little bit faster. He (laughs) he loves his son so much that, you know, he's got to play it two times fast in order to get through it all. Sometimes I can get long winded, but I just love Husky football, man. I got a lot to say, a lot of thoughts up in here in this big head of mine. Yeah, and Sam and I talk deep enough and slow enough that I think even listening in two times speed, it's you can probably get the gist. Yeah, um, I talk really slow sometimes, but <laughs> no, that I didn't mean that as a criticism at all. So, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, again, this is this is a podcast that Sam and I just we love talking shit and talking Husky football for the most part, but obviously talking Seattle sports in general. So this is 
again, mostly just for us to be able to interact and vent with each other, but we hope that all listeners get some entertainment out of it. And if you are, please obviously give us feedback and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, like Sam said, we like to interact with our, with our listeners, especially in those um, uh, anchor voice messages. So please leave us a voice message. And yeah, I mean, until that, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>